this time Pastor has gotten up and the, our commander Burge has been coming so great. And I am so praying that we are taking it on board and taking it seriously. Because God is speaking and he is preparing us. He's preparing us for things so far greater than than the training that, you know, we've been going through training for something greater. But sometimes we, the training has scared us, you know. But God wants us to know that he's training us to be equipped and ready. Um, there's just a song on my heart because I believe the church is at a place where we we need to be ready to stand. And sometimes we're getting tired and weary over things that is only a test. That is only a test. Not the real battle only a test that we're supposed to pass and we're getting tired and weary over the test but God keeps testing us until we can pass that test because what is coming we're going to have to be ready for you know I was, I was listening to um, um, pastor talking about what's happening in, in other countries and you know sometimes we we see it on movies but you guys this is not a movie <laughs> It's not a movie. This is reality. Reality that is encroaching where we live. And if we're not ready for it, as most Americans won't be, <laughs> we are going to be the ones that are, that are supposed to stand. We're going to be the ones that's going to be shaken. And God doesn't want us to be shaken. And he doesn't want But there are things that are wearing us out. Making us weary and tired and worn, and, and we need to look at those things that are wearing us out, okay? And realize that God has promised that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, and that whatever He allows to come our way is because He knows that we are able and well able to stand up to it and against it. But sometimes we we don't take God seriously at his word. And there's there's just this song that even as a child, I, my mom and dad sung it. And every time that I've been in a place or a state where I know that I needed God's strength, I would sing this song. But it's praying, precious Lord, take my Sometimes I get weak, sometimes I get worn through the storms in my life. Lead me Precious Lord, and lead me on when my way grows green. Precious Lord. 
think the church is at? Lord, I stand. God, our feet. Please hold our hands. Take our hands. Precious Take our hand, lead us on, Lord help us to stand, sometimes we get tired, and Lord sometimes we get weak, and sometimes so Guide these feet, Lord. 
Father, that is our prayer this morning, oh God. Father, that is our prayer this morning. Father, that is our cry this morning, oh God. That you would take our hands and that you would lead us, oh God. God, that we would submit to your guidance, oh God. Oh, Father, that we would walk in your way, in your truth. For God, you said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the light. Oh, God, in the name of Jesus. Father, that we would walk in your way, God. Oh, God, we admit to you, God, that we can do nothing without you, oh, God. And we humble ourselves before you, and we surrender the whole of ourselves to you, oh, God. Have your way in us, God. Oh, God, we see that we are living in perilous times. We are living according to what your word has already prophesied, God. But, God, you have not called us to be a people that are shaken, God. But you have called us to be a people that's able to stand in the midst of all these perilous times. You have called us to be salt and light, oh God. You have called us to be that city upon the hill that cannot be hid. Oh Father, infuse us with your word, oh God. God, let us, let us not play with the word, oh God. Let us not play with what we're hearing, oh God. Infuse it, God, into our spirit, oh God. Hide that word in our hearts, oh God, that in the moment of temptation, God, we will not sin against you. In the time of threat, God, against our bodies, oh God, we will not sin against you. Father, like those children in ISIS, oh God, with, with ISIS coming against them, God, may we be your children, God. That when the world comes against us, God, and comes against the God in us, oh God, that we will stand, God, and after doing all, stand, God, believing, God, in your cause, in your cause, in your cause. God, I pray for your people that your cause would be their cause, oh God, that your cause would be the cause, God. Oh, Father, we would not be so hung up all over our cause. That, God, the enemy would know right where to hit because our cause may be greater than yours. God, but sure us up in your cause that we're really, really ready to die for your cause. Oh, God, don't let, let us continue to be wimpy. Oh, God, for in these times we need to be strong. God, shore us up as true soldiers, as true soldiers. God, we are not those patients that are walking around with our ivy pole, God, but we are soldiers with our war clothes on, oh God. We are clothed in the full armor, God, and we are ready to fight, to fight, to fight, to fight, God. We are ready to fight, God, and we are ready to stand, God. We will no longer be silent, God. Oh, God, we will stand for your word and stand on your word and speak out, God. Oh, God, that the world will know. The world will know you, God, and the power of you, God. Oh, God, resting in the sons of God. God, we thank you right now that we are your sons and daughters. What a privilege. What an honor, God, to be your ambassadors for such a time as this. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah, thank you, God. Hallelujah, thank you, God. Hallelujah, thank you, God. You know we need to be rolling up our sleeves, God. God, we need to be rolling up our sleeves and saying we're ready to fight. Because the war is here. The war is already on. It's here. It's on. And we need to.
to be saying, I declare war against the enemy. I declare war because God is in us. And we can declare war. We don't have to walk in fear this morning or dread. As we look upon the world today, yes, there's things happening. But remember, it's just like he said it would. God has already told us things. There's a, the amazement should not be there because God has already prepared us for such a time as this. He said it was coming. So what, what all he wanted us to do was be ready for the time. And so when we come in, you guys, let's come in and get this word and be ready for the times. Let's, let's not gaff it off. Let's not look at something so far away. It's not far away. It's next door. <laughs> it's, it's closer than what you think. And God wants us to be ready because people are dying and people are dying without the Lord. And they're going to be afraid. And what they need to do is see somebody that has Jesus Christ in their life that is not afraid, that lifts his banner high no matter what's going on. We lift up the banner of Jesus Christ. We lift up his word. We lift up his way. We are not afraid to speak out against sin. We are not afraid to stand up for what's right. And yesterday I was telling the women, it's not... Don't keep walking in omission where you don't want to say nothing. You don't want to rock the boat. It's time for us to rock the boat so people will know the true word of God. They will know the true, true word that brings forth life and that more abundantly. You guys can be seated this morning. I'm excited to be in the house of the Lord. I'm excited about his word. I'm so excited about his word. Amen. His word is preparing us. His word, word is making us. God has really been dealing with me about the church. He continues to deal with me about the church being that soldier and not that patient. That we are getting out of the hospital ward. ward. We're taking off our hospital gowns. We have been infused with <laughs> enough of the IV fluid of the word of God to be able to fight some battles. Okay? And God is really getting me to the heart to keep telling us who we are. We're not some weak people, you guys. We are people that have the Holy Spirit, the power of God resting in our lives. Well, Pastor's been preaching, and there's one thing that one Sunday he was preaching, and this scripture came to my spirit. It, it just burst something into me, and it excited me. And, and so um, I'm going to bring it out, how God brought it out to me. Tonight, to this morning, um, God implores us and admonishes us to willingly receive him, okay? God is exhorting us and admonishing us to willingly receive him. Willingly receive him. I want y'all to get him, Jesus Christ, the resurrected Savior, our resurrected Savior. God is exhorting us and admonishing us to willingly, and I'm putting emphasis on words, willingly receive him. In John 6, 21, in the King James Version, it says this. Then they willingly received him into the ship. And immediately, the ship, y'all don't remember this word? I don't know if this word hit y'all, but Pastor Brosen might remember that hit me really hard that day. Okay, it says, then they willingly received him into the ship, and immediately the ship was at the land. Okay, we're going to work with this this morning. I was so excited about that word. It hit my spirit like, bam. 
the emphasis is on immediately the ship was at the land. So I'm going to have to give some of you might haven't heard the story, so I have to give you the story so you'll see why I'm excited. Okay? Let's go to Mark 6. We're going to start at the 45th verse. <coughs> Everybody, if you haven't, say amen. Okay. As soon as the, and I'm, this when I'm reading out the message, the message, this first verse, but the next will be out, all the rest will be out the Amplified, okay? <coughs> yes, ma'am. Okay. As soon as the meal was finished, Jesus insisted that the disciples get in the boat and go on ahead across to Bethsaida while he dismissed the congregation. After sending them off, he climbed a mountain to pray. Now I'm in the Amplified, and I'm starting at the 47 to the 48. Now when evening had come, the boat was out in the middle of the lake, and he was by himself on the land. And having seen that they were troubled and tormented in their rowing, for the wind was against them, about the fourth watch of the night, between 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock a.m., he came to them walking directly on the sea. And he acted as if he meant to pass by them. But when they saw him walking on the sea, they thought it was a ghost and raised deep, throaty shrieks of terror. For they all saw him and were agitated, troubled, and filled with fear and dread. But immediately he talked with them and said, take, uh, take heart, I am. Stop being alarmed and afraid. And he went up into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, sank to rest as if exhausted by its own beating. And they were astonished exceedingly beyond measure. So here's the story. And the story is told in, 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 in uh, Matthew, Mark, and John. We find this story. In each one, they tell more of the story and give different aspects of the story that brings the story out. So we know this story of mostly about Peter walking on the water. And that's mostly what we we have heard about this story and take from this story is the miracle that God calls Peter to come forth. Peter gets out of the boat and he comes forth and Peter walks on water. And so we hear this great miracle, but there's so much more as you read this story. There's so much more. That uh, Sunday when I heard the story, I was like, here's another miracle. That there's more miracles in that story then we, take, we, we don't all the time look at, all right? We look at Peter walking on the water. But God really blessed me that sun, Sunday when he brought this out to me, that there was another miracle that happened that day. So before this, um, before this had happened, when Jesus tells them to go away, we're in, 
in the earlier part of the chapter is when Jesus feeds the 5,000 with the fish and the loaves of bread. So before he sends the disciples away, there was this big miracle that the disciples and everyone got to see because the people were hungry and Jesus asked, you know, they say, what are we going to feed them? And they find out that there's the fish and the loaves of bread. And he multiplies this this, um, small amount of fish and bread to feed all the people. So before they go out on this boat, they had just witnessed and been a part of a great miracle. I want y'all to really get this, okay? Before they went out on the boat, okay, before Jesus directed them out on the boat, they had seen a great miracle of Jesus feeding the 5,000, okay? And then Jesus sends them out on the boat. Now, Jesus sends them out on the boat for, for a couple of reasons. Because even in that chapter, we find out that the people were so enamored with Jesus feeding them that what they wanted to do next was make him king. And what Jesus did, he knew that what many of us would have done, we would have lost our purpose. But Jesus did not lose his purpose. We would have lost our purpose over the hype of people wanting to put us up. So people that are like you and love you one day and put you down the other day, we will get we will get all enamored over people saying, I want you to be, I want you to be. Well, they said, we want to make you king. But Jesus didn't come to be their kind of king that they wanted. And he knew that they didn't really want him to be the king of kings and the Lord of lords. He knew their motive was totally wrong. And he knew that was not his time nor that was his purpose when they said they wanted him to be king. So Jesus sent the disciples away so that he could take the crowds away. But he also did, he knew it was time to pray. Remember this, when people praise you very, very highly, don't get all caught up in that. Go pray. First lesson, go pray. When people speak well of you all the time, well of you all the time, don't you get all caught up in that. Go pray. Because if you're not careful, they will get you off your course and off the focus that God has for your life. And it will turn into you stepping into something that's fleshly instead of continuing to walk in, in the spirit. So Jesus sends them away. And he tells them, he directs them to go on the boat. In Matthew, it says, then he directed the disciples to go into the boat. And go before him to the other side. So in Matthew, he goes on. This was a direction from God. And I want to bring this out because sometimes when we we are directed in God to come to God, we are directed to God in many different areas in our life. We may be directed in our marriage about something to do. We may be directed with our children as parents of something to do. God gives us a direction. Well, what happens sometimes when God gives us a direction, we have an expectation of how that's going to be played out. I want you all to get it because this morning God really wants us to get it. We have certain things that we think is going to happen and how it's going to happen. When God directed me to come back to Pastor David, when I left Pastor David, there was a, in my spirit, there was this uh, expectation of how this was going to work out. Pastor David was going to be sorrowful and repentant, and he was going to be just like I needed him to be. Okay? Everything was going to – see, sometimes we, we're, we, he directs us, but we have no clue 
of what's all is going to happen in that direction. And so he directs us to do something, and we set out, but in there, storms begin to come, okay? And we're sometimes not ready for those storms, but we have no expectation that whenever God directs you to do something, there's going to be opposition. Whenever God directs you to do, he might say, go to her and tell her you're sorry. And you just know that when you go to her and tell her you're sorry, she's going to be saying, yes, I understand, and I forgive you. But he directs you to do something that, on the other hand, she might not say, I forgive you. She might, I don't know what you're talking about. And, and I'm tired of you being in my face. It may, you may get opposition. You're going to be, and you'll turn back and you'll be like, God, you told me to do that. But he told you to do that. He didn't tell them, he didn't tell them to do what you wanted them to do back. He just told you to do something and be ready that he would meet you in the storm. Okay? You'll see, see later on. Okay? So Jesus directs them and he sends them. He sends them to go to the other side. Then it says something that really gets me. It says, uh, where, where, where was I at? Now, okay, Mark 6, on the 48th verse, it says this. Let me calm down because I'm really excited, okay? It says this. And having seen, I want y'all to get this. Okay, I, I got to really get this part right here. And having seen. Now, understand this. It didn't say, and seeing. I want y'all to get this. You got to get it. It didn't say, and seeing that they were troubled and tormented. It said, having seen. He, having seen. Before he, while they were out there, he was in prayer. God was, in, Jesus was in prayer. And it said, having seen already. Not when he started walking toward them. But having seen already, while he's in prayer, having seen they were troubled. Now, he's on his knees, and he already sees they were in trouble. He didn't run straight out there. Having seen they were in trouble, in their rowing, for the wind was against them. He already knew what was happening. He already knew. He sent them, and before he even sent them, he knew the storm was coming. I want you all to really get this. Before the storm came, he knew the storm was coming. And sending them out there, he didn't send them out there and say like this. He didn't say, um, disciples, I'm sending you out there in the boat. And look it, I'm going to meet you on the other side. But let me let you know something. <laughs> There's going to be a great storm. And you're going to have a hard time rowing. He said, I want you to know that. He didn't say none of that. He just sent them. He sent them out. And it says, and having seen they were troubled. And that they were tormented in their rowing, in their rowing. He knew their plight even before he started walking on the water. And he knew their plight not for just what they were going through at that moment, but the perilous times were coming upon them and that he was training them right now. He was training them right then and preparing them for the upcoming difficulties that would come in their lives as being representatives and disciples, apostles of his. He was training them. At that moment, he was training them. God is training us. And sometimes we don't see that he's sending us 
But sometimes we have no clue of what's going to come against us. But can I tell you, it's not what's going to come against you that's the important thing. God wants you to know that he's with you and for you. That's the important thing. Sometimes we want to know all the details instead of what God really wants us to rest on is that I'm with you. No matter what details, whatever circumstance, whatever peril comes against you, he wants us to know I am with you. And I would not send you out there if I wasn't going to be there and come to your aid. So right there he was training them. Then he, in the next verse, he identifies himself as the great I am. It says that when he walks up to them, they're thinking that it's a ghost. How many times in our lives that when we have a turmoil or a problem, it gets really scary? And we start imagining all kind of things. Things going on with our children, we start imagining all kind of things. What, what's going to happen if they do this? What's going to happen if they do that? And our mind just starts imagining things going on in our marriage. Uh, is he going to love me forever? Is he going to leave me for? Our imagination begins to what? It begins to run wild when, because fear does that. Fear allows your imagination to open up to a whole lot of things that will bring you what? Torment. And so they were tormented because they were afraid. They were afraid. And it says not only were they afraid, they were agitated. They were agitated. And, and God told me this morning, there are some of us that are agitated in our spirit. We're agitated about different things that are going on in our lives, different things that are making us afraid. Come on in the house of God. Receive this word this morning. We're agitated, frustrated. And it makes us begin to think all kinds of things outside of our faith in God. It begins to torment us where we would on any other day, we would stand firm in our faith and our trust in God. But when we're scared, we get tormented, and the enemy can bring us all kind of ghostly things. But he wasn't a ghost. It was Jesus. And Jesus knew what was going on in their spirit. He knew they were agitated, and he knew they was frustrated. And what Jesus wanted to let them know, he comes up, I am. That's what he says. Take heart, I am. He didn't say, take heart, Jesus is here. He said, take heart, I am. And I am included everything that they needed him to be. If they, if they needed security right there, if they needed, uh, you know, him to come and save them, he said, I am. Here, I am. Take heart. Stop being afraid. I am. What he was trying to let them know is, do you really know me? Do you really know me? Then he says, he gets in the boat with them. He gets in the boat with them. If God be for us, who can be against us? Now, I want you all to understand something. In the fourth chapter, not long before, you know, not too far back, they were afraid of another storm. I want you all to really get what's going on. They were afraid of another storm, and Jesus was on board the boat that time. Jesus was on the boat that time, and they were afraid. And they began to say to the Lord, carest thou not that we perish? And they was like, how can you fall asleep, Lord? All this storm going around, do you care that we perish? Jesus gets up, and he begins to teach them a lesson right then. And he lets them know, I'm on board, and you can do what I've told you to do. He says, he speaks to the wind and the waves and say, peace, peace, still. This was not long. 
they see him and they're in a storm. And what Jesus was trying to do was let them know. He, it says this uh, funny part to me that, that, uh, that gets me when it says that he walked as if to walk by them. So it's, it's like here comes Jesus, and they're scared, but it says Jesus walking as if to walk by them. And what he really wanted them to do was to cry out and to call out to him. He had already been, already been through this whole other test of Jesus being on the boat, and they were afraid, same storm, storm tossing, and same thing. But Jesus, what he does with us and we don't understand is that I told you we are soldiers that God is making prepared for the real war. And God is doing just like in boot camp. He's seen how much is on board. You know, we can come to church all the time and talk about, talk about how, uh, you know, God's on board. For God I live, for God I die. It's not until we're in the storm of life that we are really tested to know, do we really have Jesus like we say that we have Jesus. And so Jesus, I could see him as a good, as a good teacher or, 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 or a captain of, of an army. I could see that what he was trying to do was see, what have I taught you? What is really on board? What have you really grabbed hold of as I've been walking with you and I've been talking with you? You've seen miracles after miracles. You've seen me calm a storm. Isn't it funny that we can have the very same trial and we've already seen him take us from the very same trial? And then we get in that same trial and we're still afraid. But what that says is that we really have not received him. It says, then they willingly received him into the ship. They willingly. It says, when he got into the boat, the winds ceased. When he got into the boat, the winds ceased. The Holy Spirit is in us, you guys. The winds should cease. The Holy Spirit is in us, you guys. We can speak to the storm. We can speak to the winds and the waves. But what happens, and why is it that we can't? Why is it when the storms of life are raging many times in our lives, we can't speak to the winds and the waves? Why are we still frustrated? Why are we still agitated? Why are we not able to stand in the miraculous word of God and in the authority and the dominion that God has given us and make those winds and waves obey? You know, that's what I had to ask myself is why am I in certain times and seasons I can't make the winds and the waves obey? There's a answer to that so much in this scripture if we look at it. Jesus tells them in 6 and 21 when he says, I am, stop being frightened. That's out to amplify. In the message, he says this, but he reassured, reassured them, it's me, it's all right, don't be afraid. Willingly, let's look at that. What does willingly mean? Willingly means to, to want of their own volition and purpose a determination 
they willingly of their own volition nobody had to make them no of their own volition they willingly receive god nobody's making you receive god you're not here because husband's here you're not here because wife's here you're not here because mom and daddy made you come of your own volition you're willingly receiving god you're not here because you want just want something from god you want god you receive not from his hand but from his heart you want him a lot of times we are willingly here to get something from his hand but they willingly it said received him in the fullness of him they willingly and then it said receive means to accept by deliberate and ready reception it's deliberately you're receiving God. Deliber- deliberately you're accepting and receiving him. Willingly and deliberately. Now you said, what does that mean for us this morning? Many times we're, we're not either. You know, we say we're obedient, but it says, he that is willing and obedient shall eat the good of the land. But we're obedient because sometimes uh, we're too scared to be disobedient. Can I get an amen in the house? Sometimes we're scared to be disobedient. Sometimes we're in the house because we've been raised to be in the house. We're, 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 we've been raised to come to church. We've been raised to do these certain things. But it's not that we're willing. We're just too scared not to do it. Somewhere in our lives we've been taught that if, you know, if you don't go to church, this is going to happen. If you don't go to church, this is going to If you don't do this. But we have not yet come to willing and obedient. We, we kind of do it with a constraint, with a, with a, with a you know, I, I have to, not that I get to. I have to do this. It's an obligation, God, to do it your way because I don't know what's going to happen if I don't do it your way. But God wants us to be willing and obedient. You guys get this this morning. Willing and obedient. I, this, this whole story lets me really recognize that um, the willing, when they willingly accept, uh, storms was going all around them. But when they willingly accepted him in the boat, Okay, when they willingly received him in the boat, everything ceased. Willingly received him. A lot of times we are in situations that we want out of. And we're mad at God because we're not out of those situations. Or it's not working. But what God said is you're not willingly receiving him. You said, what do you mean? I'm, I'm still here. I'm still doing it. But you're not doing it willingly. You're not doing it according to the word of God. You're not doing it in humility. You're not doing it in faith. You're doing it by constraint. And God says when, when they willingly received him into the boat, then the wind ceased. When they, I, want to talk, I, I don't know if you're getting it. But when they willingly, willingly, so God tells you to do something. God tells you to do it, but something in your flesh don't want to do it. It's not to you. And you say, well, I'm just going to. You know how many times I've just done something out of obedience? But you know what? Because I really wasn't willing, I went back to that something that I did. I went back to disobedience in that area. I'm just going to be honest with you. There are things that I've done that out of obedience,
sense, but there was no surety in my spirit. There was no willingness. I didn't receive God. I didn't, I didn't receive him. And receiving him means receiving his word. When God said, forgive Pastor David, I said, okay, I got to do this. Yes, I'm going to do this, okay? But there was not a willingness to receive him at his word. Receive the faith that if I walk out on his word, that God's not telling me ever to do anything that's going to hurt me, that's going to take away from me. When I receive him like that, I receive him like that, then I could have the promises that God wanted for me in my life. But when I didn't receive him like that, one day I was okay with Pastor David. The next week, he do something, and I was, I, I didn't like it no more. I didn't like him no more. I put him back in the same place because I didn't willingly receive him. I was trying to receive Pastor David, but God was saying, receive me. Receive me. Come on, you guys get this. In your situations, you're trying to receive a circumstance. You're trying to receive an expected outcome that you want. But God is saying this morning, will you receive me? Will you just receive me? Will you walk in my word past what your eyes see, past what your flesh feels, past what everybody else says you should or should not do? Will you receive me so that you can get God's expected outcome? Will you receive me willingly? That's willingly without any holdback. I give you all of me, God. God, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't look good. God, I don't even know what's going on. But God, I receive you. I receive you into this situation. I receive you into my circumstances. I receive you as I receive you as the expected outcome. Do we want I receive you as the expected outcome? If I never feel better in this flesh, as long as I got you, I got enough. I receive you, God. I receive you in this expected, in my marriage. We may not even get back together, God, but I receive you. And see, once I receive him, all right, then I can walk him. I can talk him. I can respond to him. But if I don't receive him and I'm waiting I'm defining my actions and my responses by my circumstances. Then I'm going to walk in a way that's not going to bring forth the fruit of our most high God. How, how long have we lost out because we really hadn't received him? The problem with the Israelites walking around for 40 years is because they didn't receive him. Come on, think about this. 40 years of what could have took 40 days. Because they would not receive him. And no matter what he did, no matter what miracle, miracle upon miracle upon miracle, you would think all these miracles would make them receive him. But that's why Jesus, Jesus stopped at one time doing miracles because he knew that people were so caught up in miracles and they were not caught up in him. And unless you give me your hand, God, you will not have my heart. And God wanted them to know, no, I need to have your heart beyond my hand. I need, I've already done enough for you. I've already bought you out. I've already shed my blood. I've already done the greatest thing for you that could ever be done. And God says, do I have your heart? Will you receive me? Not the car, not the house, not the husband, not the wife. Will you receive me? Many times we're caught up on the gifts of God. 
We're caught up on the things that he gives us, and we are so happy. We are happy day. Oh, happy day. Oh, we got that house. Oh, happy day. We got that man. Oh, happy day. But many of those things that we have gotten have gotten us in trouble. Many of those things that in the beginning was such a beautiful, wonderful, great thing. See, God knows this, that if you don't receive him, you won't be able to maintain anything that he gives you. He knows this. That's why we got to receive him first so that whatever he gives us, now we can maintain it. Maintain it. We can maintain the possessions. We can maintain relationships when we receive God. But most of all, we come first, God, give me this, give me that, give me this. And some of us beg so hard for stuff. And we sometimes beg for things that God says, okay, I'm going to give it to you. But it's going to make your soul lean. It's going to make your soul lean. You're not ready for it. You're not mature enough for it. You, uh, you still got brokenness in you. God is, God is saying, but, but you, you, you didn't ask for it. And you keep asking for it. And you keep asking for it. But my word tells you how to get things. But you keep asking for it. Keep asking for it. God says, I give it to you. Just like they wanted that king. They want a king Saul. We want a king. We want a king. What, what are we asking God for more than him? What are we so enamored with in this world that we keep on saying, God, but I want, I want, if I only had this, if I only had more money, if I only had a relationship, if I only had, I want, I want, I want. What are we asking God so much for that in the end it supersedes him and it brings leanness to our very bones? He said, receive me. But this is the one that that gets me is last verse. It says, and he went up in the 52nd verse, 51, 52. And he went up into the boat with them, and the wind ceased, sank to rest as if exhausted by its own beating. And it says next, and they were astonished. And they were astonished. Now, these people had already, these disciples had already seen Jesus stand up and speak to the winds and the waves. But it says right here, and they were astonished exceedingly. Oh, my God. Look what you did, God. They said beyond measure, they was astonished. And, they, and, and, and we might say, well, oh, what's wrong with being astonished? But look at the next thing that they, the scripture says. And they were astonished exceedingly beyond measure, for they failed to consider or understand the teaching and the meaning of the miracle of the loaves. Y'all got to get this point right here. They were overwhelmed exceedingly astonished. Oh, my God, look what you have done. And you know what, Christians? God is saying we are astonished about things that is supposed to be normal. We are so astonished about things that is ours already. We are so astonished about miracles. It's the world that should find amazement in the miracles. The saints should take it as status quo. That's, that's our part of our inheritance. But God says we are so astonished by things. And then I, I, I want to bring it out what, what he's saying there. They fail to consider. They fail to consider. Y'all listen to what he's saying. They fail to consider or understand the teaching and the meaning of the miracle of the loaves. In fact, their hearts had grown callous 
had become dull and had lost their power of understanding. Had lost their power of understanding. It was because they considered not the miracles of the loaves, they did not give that miracle its due weight. And I want y'all to hear this. They would not have been so much surprised at the wind's ceasing, for his multiplying bread was as great an instant of power as his walking on the water. What God is saying here is sometimes God has done so many great miracles in the house. Already. I said already. But because we have not considered, and that means given attention to, given value to what God has already done. If we gave value to what God has already done, then in our our, our uh, fiery time, in our time of, of tribulation and trials, we would be able to stand up and remember, you know what? In my fiery time against my body and there's things going on in my body, if I considered what God has already killed AIDS up in this house. If I had considered. See, God is trying to let us know something. He said things is happening. He is moving. But because we do not give value to what he's already done, when the next storm comes, we're all afraid. We're all frustrated. We're all agitated. But if we would just look back and say, God had already done this. God's already brought someone through that. We've got witnesses. we got testimonies. I just want y'all to get this this morning. We have taken things in the natural what God has done. You know, someone said, God bless me with a house. We're just like. God bless me with a husband. Because it ain't, you know, it ain't me. Okay? We get up time and time again and marriages that have been, you know, reconciliated. Marriages have been. God is saying we we don't either we think our marriage is not going to be hit. So at that time, it's just nothing big. Okay? We think that it's nothing because it's, it's, it's not bothering me. It's. It's the same way as how we look overseas and we look at the things that's going on in the world, but it's not going on in Oak Harbor yet. Everybody, yet. And so we devalue these things. That we, we, we don't think, we, we look, there's going to come a time where those little children that stand up for Christ's sake and they get chopped and they still say, I'm going to live for God. There's going to be a time if we don't devalue it and look at that some kind of fairy tale story, bad story over there. There's going to be a time if we take that on board and we value that. We value that we're going to have to stand for our faith. And we value that there are witnesses that have gone before us that have stood for their faith with great, great uh, things coming against them where their families have died, their children have died. They are not just stories, you guys. Those are things that God wants us to value so that when persecution comes our way, and I'm not talking about persecution of the things that we're looking at. I'm talking about true persecution when we have to stand up for Jesus Christ or die. We're going to remember that if we value this. 
if we value this. If we don't value it, it's just going to whisk by us like the wind. And we're not going to think too much about it. And we're going to go on with our daily life. And we're going to go on. With, that's why he said when he come back, it's going to be just like in the days of Noah. They're going to be singing and dancing and doing all that kind of thing. Because they didn't even value when he comes back. Because no one valued that there was a flood. No one valued that God came along and he hates sin and that he destroyed sin. No one looks at those things and puts, because it's not going to happen to me. I'm getting out of here before, we, you know, we all want to get out of here before tribulation comes. But tribulation is here. I remember a long time ago saying that, boy, I don't want to be here when they're cutting people and, and killing. We're here. It's just not in Oak Harbor yet. But it's here. And God is wanting us to, he says, because they did not consider the miracle of the loaves. They did not hear God said all these, Jesus said all these people. And, and it says, because they did not consider that as a miracle, they didn't take that on board. They didn't, they didn't look at what God had just did. If God could feed, turn, uh, you know, fish to feed everybody, God could do anything. And that's what God was trying to say. If I could stand up and speak to the winds and the waves, what about this problem? What about what you're going through right, right now? Did you not see what I could do? Did you not take on board that I'm a miracle worker, I'm a healer, I'm a deliverer, I'm whatever you need me? I am, I am, I am. Did you not get it yet that I am the great I am? And so God keeps on like a great teacher. You know, I question God. And I was like, God, so many, so many of your saints are going through. So, so many things are happening in their life. So many, God, and it just looks like the world is just, I said, I told you, don't compare yourselves among yourselves. I told you not to compare, okay, first of all. Then the second of is that's all a part of training to go through my niece. Uh, when my sister was here, my niece is going, she's in the Army. And so she just went through this. They took her out for this week on this training. And she just ended the training, and she had told her mom, I hope I never, ever have to do this again. But in all actuality, that's what we say about our trials and tribulations. I hope I never, ever have to do this again. But the reality is you're going to have to do it again. In some other way or some other test, but it's going to be another test that's going to prove your faith and strengthen you in your faith. So when she goes out there, what she says is she's out there, and they just they send her out there, and she said the grass was, was taller than her. She couldn't see through the grass, and they send them out there with no weapon, and she said she's out there, and they have to be out there for a certain length of time. Then they got to get back, you know, when they blow this thing. They got to get back, but there's all kind of challenges out there, you know, that they, they got to uh, test and, and things that they got to go through. And she said that, that the thing scared her so bad. She didn't have a weapon. She said she was walking through this grass. A big old buck comes through the uh, grass, and she don't have no weapon. She just walks up on the buck. That buck scares her half silly. So she said that out there is hot. That you don't have the kind of food. You don't have the luxury. You don't have the privilege of how you live at home. She said, so you're out there. But it's a test. It's a test. And the test, and, and what got me the the bad part was there was two other girls that was with them, but they, I mean, she couldn't, they couldn't be together. They was totally alone and had to be out there. Well, two of the girls, when it was time to blow the thing, they didn't show up. 
And what the part that got me that's in this word is that they said, uh, Terrell said, they waited a whole hour. I said, my whole mom, they waited a whole hour. That's somebody's baby. That's somebody's daughter. Are you kidding me? They waited a whole hour. And when they went and found her, she was passed out. An hour later, the girl couldn't handle what was going on out there, but she was passed out. In our mind, in my mind, just like you would think in this story, Jesus already knew they was having a hard time. Jesus already knew they was being tossed to and fro about with with the winds and the waves. But he didn't run to them. He didn't come to them. And in our mind, we're like, why aren't you coming? Why aren't you coming? Because I'm training you for a better day. I'm training you for a harder day. I'm training you for real persecution. I'm training you for what's coming. And we're like, why aren't you here? Why aren't you doing this? And when they finally get out there, okay, when they get out there, what happens is, the young lady either is going to pass or fail. She's either going to take that test over and she's going to pass it or she's going to fail it. And she's not going to be able to be a part of, of, of the military. Like they said, they had told her she would have to get out the military. Do you understand this? God's not going to put you on the front lines and you're not ready. Come on, he's not putting us on the front lines unprepared. He's not putting us on the front line where, where we're all scared and we're always ready to back up and, and we're just exhausted. No, he's going to test us and he's going to keep testing us and building us up so that when he calls for us to the front lines, we are going to be ready to do what God has called us to do. Now, you know, we don't like that. But, but don't you do the same thing with your children? We, we think that's a hard God, but that's a gracious God. Because a gracious God really knows what's coming. And he really wants you to be, pre- be prepared for what's coming. I love what Pastor Broughton said. These light afflictions. These light afflictions. That's what Paul said, these light afflictions. And his afflictions, we haven't even been touched with those afflictions yet. But he calls them light because why? Because he'd been through training. And as he's going through training, he could take and look, these light afflictions. What we're going through, you guys, they're light. And and remember me, I'm in the flesh. I have flesh just like you. I hurt just like you. But God still wants me to tell you they're light afflictions. If when when, when I was going through with my husband, they didn't seem light. But let me tell you, I came out. God trained me and he put me through. So that I could come out, come out a different person, come out not being so whiny, come out without being like David's my God, and he needed to be my joy, and he needed to be my everything. And if you don't treat me just right, I'm going to die. God said, "Uh -uh. uh-uh, uh-uh, I can't use you like that. I need to use you where you can be able to stand. I need to be able to use you that you're not so controlled about what people do or do not for you. You are looking to me the author and the finisher of your faith. And God will train us in that. He will take us to that place that we will come out to be a soldier. Oh, come on, you guys. That's what he's calling us to be. Come on. You enlisted in the army. You enlisted in the Navy. You enlisted in the Lord's army. And once you enlist in there, you you're, you're stand up for that training, you know. When we come in, a lot of times we didn't know what that training was going to be all about. But one thing we do know, that God is with us. I said, God is with us, church. God is with us, church. I said, God is with us. 
And then the part that, the last part, and we'll end on this, is the word that blessed my spirit. Once they received him, the next thing is said, and immediately they reached the shore. Now, when I read it, they said in one of the, it was like three miles out. I mean, it was three miles. Come on, three miles. Some of you think you're 50 miles out. That's what God showed me that day. Some of you think you're 50 miles out. You just think you are being tossed so far and, and the waves are tough. But it was three miles out, y'all. And God, some of us don't realize that just that willingly receiving him will immediately get you back to shore. I don't know if y'all, that blessed my heart. Now look at it says, and immediately they reached the shore toward which they have been slowly making their way. Some of us in our lives, we're slowly making our way. We're slowly coming out of something. We've been going through this, and it's just slow. When will this ever stop? When will this ever end? When will this be? Have you ever felt like, I know I have. When will this be over? It just seems like it's going to last. I was counting the years that me and Pastor went through, really, really went through in our marriage. Do you guys know it was about seven years? Seven, and I'm not, I'm talking about not, I'm seven bad years in a row. So my, my coming back and all that didn't magically turn into good. There was war. There was war going on. There was a war of my will and God's will. Do you understand? But let me tell you what happened on the seventh year. I received him. And immediately, immediately what I was making slow progress at, immediately I found myself in the spot where God wanted me to be, in the spot where I could be blessed, in the spot where my joy came back, in the spot where blessings became to my family because I received him immediately. You guys, I want you to come on. Somebody needs to get this. Somebody is going slow. You're making slow progress. You're blaming it on everybody and everything. But God said the real problem is you haven't received me. In the message, it says this. So they took him on board. And in no time. Oh, God. Does somebody want that? Do somebody want that testimony this morning? In no time it was over. In no time it was done. In no time it was Who wants that this morning? I don't understand why this ain't filling your heart with joy. In no time. In no time they reached land. In no time they got there. In no time they reached land. They reached that place where they were supposed to be. And then it says, they reached land the exact spot where they were headed to. In no time. Immediately. Look at Immediately. The ship was at land. Immediately. All this rowing. All this fighting. All this struggling. All this weariness. All this about to give up. All this. And then they received him willingly and immediately. Oh, my God. Somebody wants some immediately. I don't know about you. But I want some immediate in my life. Immediately, they reached the exact spot where they were 
to be. Because they received him, you guys. Because they received him. Who is him? Jesus. And who is Jesus? The word. Jesus is the word. And if we receive the word immediately, we don't have to take 40 years. I didn't need to take seven years. It was just that I wasn't receiving the word, Pastor Brosen. It was just that I was justifying not receiving the word. And I was trying to look for a way out of the word instead of a word way in. I don't know who, who has a witness in here that you've looked in the word of God to find your way out of the word. I was trying to find everything in the word that would tell me to divorce my husband. Woo! I, had, I was taking that word and flipping it and flopping it. <laughs> Y'all just don't know. Flipping it and flopping it. Because I was trying to find myself out of the word of God. See, and I got to this one place, you know. See, we all go to that place where we'll say, well, it says that you can divorce if there's infidelity or adultery. You know what? God's word says, take line upon line, precept upon precept. The reason why we do that and we go for that, God told me one day, because why did I let Moses, why did Moses give them a bill of divorcement? It wasn't God's, it wasn't God's desire anyway, at all. He said it's because their hearts were hard. So while I was trying to get my way out, God was, so let's check your heart. Let's check how hard that heart is. And then let's check where that hard heart is going to take you. Because you think that hard heart is going to end with Pastor David. But if you receive that hard heart, it's going to start with Pastor David. And it's going to go all the way down into your generations, into your children. Everything that you tried to stop is going to open the door for that. He said, will you receive me? Will you receive me? Will you believe me? Will you take me at, at, at my word? That if I can change your heart, if I can make you a forgiver, that then I will help you to respond in a different way, to receive in a different way, to, to, to talk in a different way. I mean, God let me know I was trying to change Pastor David and God was really trying to change me. No matter what Pastor David had done, no matter how bad it was, God was still trying to change me because he was trying to make me like him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only. He was trying to make me like that. Give up your only. Give up your right. I, my thing was, I, I, I didn't come into this. Lord, I didn't come into this. I don't have to be in this. I don't have to be married. I can, I can go find me somebody. You know, that hard heart was just going to bring me something worse than Pastor David. Please, you guys, hear me. Receive him. Receive him. I almost lost everything in that not receiving him time. I didn't realize that what the enemy was trying to do, he was trying to deceive me. There's just a simple thing that God wants you to do is take him at his word. Take him at his word, you guys. Take him, receive his word. If his word says uh, a soft answer turneth away wrath, don't you excuse yourself and say, well, well, this is how we all talk. This is how my mama talk. My mama yelled, so this is just me. Receive. Now you're saying, receive me. God said, no, receive him.
him. He said, a soft answer turns away wrath, and grievous words stir up anger. Receive him. We got all this stuff we're receiving from our generations. But God is saying, no, don't walk out so proudly about what daddy did or what mama did if it's against the word of God. Receive him so that you can receive his blessing. I'm praying for you guys this 